0: Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. My name is Jason Dunbar. I am the youth and college pastor here at Woodburn. Um, I know that I'm not Tim. I apologize for that, um, but um, I'm here. So um, my wife is back here, Caitlin. If you haven't met my wife, we've been here about 10 months. So some of you have gotten to know pretty well. Some of you, I'm still learning your names and some of you um, have yet to meet. So I look forward to getting to know all of you. And we have a daughter, Charlie, two and a half. Uh, she's down, of course, down with the kids and probably running down the halls if I had to guess at this point. But uh, she's a curly-headed little girl that you'll see like a lightning bolt running down the halls. That's kind of her thing. Um, I apologize ahead of time if she runs into you. But it's, it's just, yeah, we can't keep, can't keep a rain on her. But um, she's, we do a lot of fun things together. But she loves stickers. Um, you know, I don't know what it is about stickers, but she loves them. And you remember Highlights? Anybody? Those things that you get in the mail? Remember those books? Well, those are still a thing, apparently, and um, my parents have subscribed Charlie to that, so she gets these stickers and books and things in the mail. Well, she has a calendar, and it has stickers for each month of what's going on in that month, birthdays, holidays, things like that, and we were working on July's um, month this past week, and um, come to find out today is National Joke Day, so we thought to get you guys good, you think you're coming to hear Tim, and you get me, so joke's on you. Uh, now, we're excited that Tim got to get away. Tim and Casey are on vacation, so uh, just be in prayer for them that they have time to relax this week. He's been sending us, the staff, pictures of him on the beach, um, just kind of taunting us, so um, I'm hoping he's at least suffering a little bit, maybe while he's there, but uh, no, we, we, we pray that they have a great rest, but I wanted to share with you guys kind of, um, this is one of my favorite passages. We're looking at Mark chapter 5, if you want to pull that out and go ahead and turn there, but this is kind of a story and, and a journey that, that I'm currently on, my, my family are currently on. And you know, when, when um, we moved here in uh, September, so this today actually is our 10th month anniversary, if you wanna call it that, 10 months. And um, we have yet to find a home here. And it's, it's such a struggle. It, this, this housing market in Bowling Green is ridiculous. It's like if there's a house that's decent and in our price range, it disappears in, in a matter of moments. Um, if we can't get to it in time. And so we've been trying to find a home, and, and we find one that we kind of like, and make offers on it, and it doesn't work out. But we're actually in the, in the middle of a negotiation right now, so be in prayer that that works out, and we'll finally get settled. But um, we have been blessed by friends of friends to have a home that we can rent here, that is furnished, that we didn't have to bring our furniture until we sold our house. Um, thankfully, we sold our house now, uh, so our furniture is in storage. But so we're sitting on somebody else's couch. <laughs> we have a place to live, but it's not our stuff. I don't even remember what our couch looks like, and I would like to see it again sometime. So I'm hoping that we get our home and we can get it on our couch and things like that. So, uh, but it's in the midst of these situations when we're looking around, and everybody is buying a house right now. Everybody's finding that perfect house that they love and they want to move into, and they're moving into it. And I'm like, hello, I'd like a house too. God, you know, bring me one. And and so it's so difficult sometimes to be in those moments of, of. You know, pause. We hate to pause life. We want to move. We want to keep going. We want to, you know, get things going. And sometimes God's just like, you know, hold on, just a minute. I'm doing something else. I'm working on something for you, and 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 then I'm seeing all these other people excited about their homes, and I celebrate with them. I'm happy for them. But I'm also like, oh, I, want to, I want a house, I want to find a home. Uh, so we see all these things that God is doing, and sometimes when w- we are kind of in that standstill mode, we feel like God just doesn't have our back, or maybe God doesn't have a focus on us right now. Um, so we're going to talk about that and how God's timing works out. And this story is, it's, there are actually two stories in this little passage And each story on their own is amazing. They could stand on their own. God does amazing things through his timing in each story. But it's so cool to see how they weave together because it's important for us to remember that in our lives, God uses us to affect other people. And so our story can be woven with so many others and we don't even understand how much it impacts other people. Um, and it's so cool to see when you, of course, when you look back on things, you see it from a different perspective, but when you look back on where God has brought you and how other people have impacted your life and the decisions that they have made have, have either positively or negatively affected you, and, and all those stories just kind of weave together. And so that's what we're going to look at, these two stories that, that are kind of happening at the same time, but really bouncing off of each other. So I'm going to read this with, with you guys. So we're going to start in verse 21 of chapter 5 in the book of Mark. Um, This is a little lengthy, but we're going to read it together. It's a cool story. So starting in verse 21. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd had gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter, she's dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her and heal her so that she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent every dollar that she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had even gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd. They're pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. And while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, a leader in the synagogue, and they told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no use in troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them, and he said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Only believe. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. And he went inside and asked, Why all this commotion and weeping? This child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha, come, little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up, walked around, and they were overwhelmed and amazed. So at the beginning of this text, we see Jairus. Jesus has just come across, and and, he's, he's... been doing things and speaking about things. And so people have heard and have shared the stories. And so they want to get a glimpse of this Jesus. They want to see what he's all about. And it's kind of like a celebrity in our time. If you see someone famous or know what someone famous is going to be in a certain area, if they come to Bowling Green, you, know, you want to try to get a look at them. You, it would be great if you could touch them and talk to them, but if nothing else, just be close to them. Be in their presence so you can say, you know, I saw so-and-so. Well, that's kind of how this crowd had gathered, and, and people were wanting to see Jesus, and if you could touch him, that's great. But if nothing else, just be in his presence. And so this crowd was continuing to grow, and as they began to move around, this, this ruler of, a, of the synagogue came and, and, and just fell at Jesus' feet. And he pleads with him, my daughter, she's dying, please just come, lay your hand on her, I know she'll be healed, just come. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come. And so he had this glimmer of hope, where before he, he was desperate, but he finally, Jesus agreed, he, he thinks, okay, this, this could happen. Jesus is going to come with me, and, and, and she's going to be healed. It's, it's going to be okay. He's, he's trying to talk himself into thinking it's going to be okay. But, but while they're traveling, while they're moving, the crowd continues to grow. People continue to, to press against, and I'm sure it's slowing things down. But suddenly, Jesus just stops. And, and they don't know why they don't know what's going on and and Jairus is over here this in agony thinking come on we we've, we've got to go my daughter she's dying but this woman who has, has reached through the crowd has been healed and Jesus wants to to have a conversation with her and so he begins talking to her and and sharing with her and Jairus is is is, is just like why is he talking to her and taking care of her when i i'm in desperate need over here you can almost hear him under his breath thinking you know come on come on let's go we don't have any time for this we don't have time to waste we've got to move we've got to go but then the messenger comes and 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 shares with jairus that your daughter she's gone there's no use bothering the teacher anymore just just leave him alone and and that little glimmer of hope that jairus might have had when jesus agreed to go with him is gone because his daughter is, is dead. Seems hopeless. And, and, and so he's, he's been standing there. He's been watching this woman who shares, it says, the whole truth. So she's probably sharing her story of, to Jesus of how things have been since she became ill 12 years ago. 12 years worth of, of stories and how she spent all her money on going to doctors and treatments and having all these things done to her that really just made things worse and didn't make them any better. And now she had nothing and, G- and Jairus is, so he's standing there, and he's thinking, why is she being attended to, and I'm not? My child is taking her last breath, literally, and, and, and you seem to just have forgotten, and you're, and you're focusing on her. This woman, she's lived a life for you know, however many years. We know she's grown, and, and she's been sick as long as his daughter's been alive. You know, so what's, what's, what's the reason that Jesus would stop? jairus thinks that my need is pressing i need you now have you ever felt like that Have you ever felt like your need might be a little bit more important than others not to say that their needs not important but you know the details of yours you know the pain that it's causing personally and so it's super urgent for you and when we see god working and moving in other people's lives we tend to think why is he not moving in my life my need is urgent i need god now And we begin to to, to question and and our faith begins to dwindle. So why does it seem that some people's needs take priority over ours? Well, it's, it's in those interruptions of life that God is moving the most. When God pauses us, when God interrupts our life and our plan, he's moving the most. You know, Jairus was this man of kind of prominence. He was well-known. We, we, uh, we know he was the, the leader of a ruler of the synagogue. He, he had power, probably wealth. And we know a little bit about him, his name, his family. But we know nothing about this woman. It doesn't even give her a name. She has no, no money because she said she spent it all trying to get better. And, and so we've got this, this vast difference of, of types of people. You Can I get in the picture here? He's, he's wealthy prominent well-known well-connected and she's been shunned outcast because of her illness and poor and has nothing to her name The vast differences between the two and so we we Jairus is, is probably thinking and probably many people think why you know she's she's not as important as Jairus you know why why is why is his need not being met when when it's urgent it's necessary. And, and really, it just comes down to the gospel. That's who Jesus is. We read that throughout Scripture, the Gospels, the New Testament, that Jesus spent time with the outcasts. Jesus spent time with those who are ill, sick, those who are hurting, those who are poor. Not to say that those who are fine and well-off are unimportant. But he knows that these people are so neglected, they need hope. They need him. And so he spends time with them. That's just the gospel. And, and Jesus says the way up is is down? He he kind of switches things around. the The way to get power is to give it away. The way to righteousness is to realize that we have none on our own. And, and so he turns everything on its head. He turns everything upside down. And so we we have this this self entitlement that we realize. Wait a minute, I'm not entitled to anything. And and so again, we have this woman who's been been sick for twelve years, and this ruler of the synagogue who is a man of power who. Has a desperate need. We don't know how long his daughter has been sick, but it seems urgent, it seems new, and it seems like he, he is just now uh, you know, kind of coming to, to to share with Jesus about this. So maybe it's fresh. And so we know it's immediate. We know it's urgent. And and so he falls before Jesus. He he he's pleading with Jesus for, for something to be done. And and again Jesus says yes and begins to go, but then we know that there's an the interruption. Life has changed. While they're on their way, life has changed dramatically for these, in, for these individuals. And, and Jesus is in this, in this group of people, this huge crowd, and right in the middle. And again, people are just pushing against him. So he's probably being just squeezed and bumped and touched nonstop. But suddenly he stops, and he says, you know, somebody touched me. Power has gone out for me, and the word. There's lots of words for power in the scripture, but this particular one is where we get our word for dynamite, to give you an idea of how much power had had come out from Jesus. It kind of exploded from him. It wasn't visible for anybody, but it was felt. And so Jesus says, "I'm going to stop. I'm going to find out what's going on. I'm gonna, I want to. I want to see." And we know Jesus knew. It's not like this was a surprise to him, but he was giving this woman an opportunity to to change her life, not just to be healed. But to be changed. And so he's stopping, and the, and the disciples are, are, you know, of course there's people touching you. There's hundreds of people pressing against you. So how can you ask the question, who touched me? Everyone in here has probably touched you. And they don't understand what he's talking about. He says, no, I know someone has touched me. And so he keeps pressing, he persists until this woman is, is forced to kind of step out, you know, to identify herself, step out of anonymity. And and just acknowledge what she's done. And so Jairus' stomach is churning. He's anxious. He's nervous. He's probably a little aggravated at the pause that's going on in life right now. And and this woman is, is sharing this whole story with her. So why did Jesus delay going to Jairus and focus on this woman? Because sometimes God delays us now so that he can do more for us later. You know, sometimes we just bebop through life and think we've got everything figured out, and 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 we just miss so many opportunities. But God sometimes will make us stop. He will put a a roadblock in front of us to make us stop, and and we have to pause. And we don't like to pause. We like to keep moving forward. We like to know what's going on tomorrow, next year. You know how things are going to pan out. But God says sometimes you know you just need to chill out and let me move, and then. You will be astounded at what I can do in those moments of interruption. Have you ever heard the word triage? It's a French word and we typically use it in medical situations like in hospitals or battlefields, things like that. And it's basically a level of, of a need when, that, when patients come in. There's the level where when a patient comes in that they're probably just not going to make it no matter what you do for them. And then there's a level where if, if they're treated fairly quickly, then probably, uh, you know, they, they could pull through. And then there's the last level where they could come in and they could probably stand to, to wait a little while before they're treated and they're still going to be okay. And so if you think of this particular situation with these two individuals, no ER doctor in their right mind would have made this little girl who's dying wait while this woman who had been ill with the same thing for 12 years be treated. It just doesn't make sense to us. It just, it, it, it's illogical. And I love that Jesus is so illogical Because it just shows his power. Because Jesus' approach is sometimes the opposite of our own. Sometimes he does something that just completely makes no sense. But then on the other side of it, we see, oh, now I see. I understand why you did that. So the disciples, they're urging Jesus on because he didn't have much time. He needed to get to this little girl. and, And he's having this conversation with this woman. And again, it doesn't say how long, but we can understand that it could be lengthy. And and so this messenger arrives with this bad news, but Jesus' response, and I want you to catch this, in Mark 5, verse 36, how he responds, he said, don't be afraid, only believe. Or your translation might say, just have faith. Don't be afraid, just believe. He's not requiring you to do step by step by step by step to do this this and this and this and this and this. He just says, just chill out and let me work just know that I'm working. That's so difficult for us to do sometimes because we want to know how God's working. How are you going to work this out? How are you going to provide for me? How are you going to make somebody better? How are you going to, to fix this situation that I'm in? And that's not always the way God works. Sometimes he just says, wait, I'll take care of it. He can move mountains if we let him. So let's let him. And so let's jump to the end of this story. This is my favorite part. They're at Jairus' home. They have all these people who are packed in there wailing and weeping and crying loudly. And that's customary of the time. It was actually, uh, you have people that are, that's their job. They're paid to come and wail and cry and do these things. It was considered inappropriate for it to be quiet um, while, there was, uh, while someone passes. So there's, these people were, some were family, but most of them were probably just paid people. And Jesus comes in there, why are you crying? Why are you weeping so loudly? What's, why is this going on? This child, she's just asleep. And now we know she's she's dead. We read that in Scripture already, and and those in the home know that. And so they're like, this this man is crazy. They're laughing at him. But he asks them to leave. He has them get out of the house. And he takes the child's parents and his three disciples that he brought with him to this child's room. And he does exactly what Jairus had asked him to do initially, to come and lay your hands on her to heal her. Um, And so he goes in, and he takes the child by the hand. And he says these words, talitha Com. and talitha, as Mark translates it to mean, little girl. But I want you to understand what he's saying here. It's not just, hey, little girl, random little girl. This is a term that was used to, to show uh, like a pet name for a daughter. It was something special. It was something intimate. For my daughter, I call her baby, which is a general word. It probably doesn't mean anything to anybody but to us. Or to me, she's two and a half. She probably doesn't know what that means. But, but for, for us, it's something special. And so uh, that's the kind of term that I would, would relate this to. But uh, in general, maybe the word honey, sweetheart, those kinds of terms. There's gentle but loving and personal. And so that's what he does. And then he says, koam, which is arise. And, and this is the, the, the word for arise that's used to describe when Jesus was resurrected. So this is not a let's just sit up or let's wake up. This is a come alive from death. And he just sweetly sits down in her bed, you know, doing what most parents have ever done every morning, getting their kids up for school, right? You sit down, you sweetly say, I'm, well, you know, sweetheart, get up. And they pop right up, right? Every time, right? No, probably not. Um, I haven't experienced that yet, um, but I'm sure that's coming when Charlie gets a little older. But in this situation, she immediately rises up, immediately wakes up. And, and so he, he's, he's treating her like family, which is just important to not overlook because God loves each and every one of us as family. You know, sweetheart, let's get up, let's go. And so she immediately gets up. And, and, and it seems that more often than not that God's timing confuses us, at least until we can see the bigger picture. Because we see, you know, that, she, that Jairus had been delayed and Jesus didn't make it in time for her to be healed, Yet we see on the other side of that, that he didn't need to heal her. He can raise her from the dead. So we, we get so caught up in the now, 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 this is what I want to happen now, that we forget what God can do anytime he wants. And so this is what I want us to kind of grasp from this. Just lean into me for just a minute as I share this. this if, when you become a believer, when you ask Christ into your heart, into your life, and, and if, if you're in here and you haven't, I, I pray that you will very soon. But as a believer, we receive more than we ever thought imaginable, right? We receive and get so much more than we deserve and so much more than we could have ever thought of on our own. But we so often forget that we also have to give more than we ever thought as well. And then don't misunderstand me in saying that we have to do certain things to receive salvation. Salvation is a free gift. That is not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying that sometimes God will allow us to go through things. He's not going to us, punish us or put us into hard times for fun, but he's going to allow us to, to grow by putting us in situations where we have to step outside our comfort zone sometimes, where we have to do a little more than what we would normally want to do. And it requires us to give. Did you notice that in both of these situations, each time when Jesus moved, it was immediate. The response was immediate. When he told this little girl to awake and arise, immediately she woke up. When he told this woman that she was, or when she touched him to be healed, immediately she was healed. It didn't say that she began to heal or the child began to wake up. No, it was immediate. So when Jesus moves, it will happen immediately. Immediately. His response and his 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 power is to to do things immediately. We may not see how that unfolds for years, but he moves when he's ready. You know, so we have we have Jairus who comes expecting a, a healing. That's what he wants, and that's what he's hoping to receive. Yet he wasn't ready, he wasn't realizing that he's gonna have to give a lot more. So he wanted a healing, but what he got was a resurrection so much more than just a simple healing but he also had to give so much more he had to go through this period of time where he thought he had lost his child in order to see how God can move this, this woman she wanted to just get in and get out right she wanted to slip in be healed and slip away nobody ever know she was, was there nobody ever know what happened to her or anything like that and this is the cool the cool part but Jesus says no 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 I want something more for you. So he brought her out of anonymity and gave her a transformation. She was not only healed, she was transformed. She became a disciple of Christ because she was willing to step out. He didn't say, I'm going to take away any embarrassment. He didn't say that nobody will ever know what you've been through. Because again, in her time, she was shunned because of what she had going on in her body. She was outcast. She was considered unclean. So for her to be there in that crowd, first of all, was, was kind of unheard of. For her to touch a rabbi was unacceptable. And so she had done things that people would have been like, whoa, 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 you can't do that. And by stepping forward, she had to acknowledge, hey, I'm the one that's been sick. I'm the one that's unclean. I'm the one that did something unorthodox. She had to step out of her comfort zone to do exactly what Jesus wanted. You know, and, and we don't know what her story is from there on, but can you imagine how much more powerful her testimony is now because of her conversation with Jesus as opposed to just reaching in and getting healed? Yeah, I mean, what God can do with us if we allow him to use us is unimaginable. It doesn't mean that we're not going to uh, you know, have an idea of what's coming in the future. Sometimes God gives us that blessing and kind of gives us heads up on things. But sometimes he says, you just chill out. Let me move this mountain and then believe and take that step forward. We don't have to know if there's anything under our feet or not. Just to know that he says to take a step and go. And so this, this whole story of, of individuals who are waiting, who are individuals who are, who are in that trying time, I want us to understand that in the midst of those dark times, God can move the most and do the most for you. You know, Jesus has so much more knowledge of what's needed, so much more knowledge of what's to come than we ever will. So why do we have such a difficult time trusting him when, we, when things aren't going as we, as we plan? I'm, I'm a huge planner in my head. Uh, I, I hate to write things out. I hate to plan things like that. It drives my wife nuts because I'm planning it out in my head and I'm thinking, I've already got it figured out. And she said, well, what are we doing? And you know, it's just everything. Like, are we going to go somewhere this weekend? Are we going to do something this weekend? And where are we going to eat? I have an idea of where I want to eat, but it's in my head. And she should be able to read my mind, right? We've been married eight years. I don't know how long that takes, but um, it hasn't happened yet. Um, I don't know that anybody wants want to read my mind, but um, get lost in there. But... The, the, the process of, of planning something out sometimes is difficult because I want to know step by step how this is going to work. I want to know where our house is going to be, God. Where are you going to put us? Where, when are you going to put us in that house? Is it, you know, it going to be exactly what we want? Are we going to have to compromise on some things? I mean, what is it? And I, and I want all this worked out in my head. But God says, you know what? Just chill out. I've got the perfect place for you. I've got the perfect timing all laid out. Just wait. And when it's time, I'm going to move. And you're going to be fine, and you're going to be perfect, and it's going to be all great. And, and so we, we get so caught up in wanting to know everything before it happens that we fail to realize that God is moving now in our lives. So I want to encourage you, and, and if you're in that time of your life where you just don't know what your future holds, you don't know where you're going, you're struggling with a decision, you're struggling with a situation that's going on that's beyond your control, just take His hand. And, and rise wherever that takes you just take his hand only believe don't be afraid just believe you know remember he, he wants us to be you know part of his family and so much so that he just wants to reach down and say hey let's go i'll walk you through this you don't have to know where we're going you don't know how we're going have to know how we're going to get there just just come on so this morning i want to encourage you as the musicians are coming up to reflect on your life. And, and I don't know if you journal, if anybody in here journals, um, I've begun to write things down the last few years. I'm not a huge journaler, but it's so amazing to look back and see how God has moved in my life when I'd write things down. So I encourage you to do that because what's so cool about God is that not only will he bring you through things, but he uses other people to do that. And so when you could reflect back and, and honor him and, and all the things that he has brought you through, it's really a cool, uh, um, just an amazing kind of scene to, to, to see unfold in your life. So if you don't know who Jesus is, that's the first thing I want you to, to get straight this morning. Uh, if you have questions about who he might be for you, we would love to share with you. We'll be out down here in front. You can come and pray. There'll be deacons on either side if you want prayer for healing. Um, they would be more than happy to do that as well. And if you're going through that struggle right now, if you're in the midst of that darkness or that unsure time when you don't know what's going on, life's not really moving like you want it to, maybe you're in that moment of, of pause, I would encourage you to just throw your hands up and let God move that mountain for you. You'd be amazed at what he can do. He's gonna do amazing things for us. We just have to be willing to, to step back and just believe. God, we love you. We thank you so much for inviting us into your house. We thank you so much for taking care of every detail of our life. And I thank you that you choose to not only take care of me individually, but to kind of weave me together with my friends and family. That you would allow my life to impact others and, and vice versa, God. And I pray that my life is a positive impact on others. I pray for those in this room that are struggling, that they might not know what's going on in their life. Things are out of their own control. I pray that you would just calm them and allow them to understand that you have their hand and you're guiding them through, God. I pray for those who don't know you that they would make that decision very soon. And I just pray that you would just move in the hearts of those that are here. we ask these things in your son's name.